is up everyone welcome back to another episode of convincing creatives podcast today we have ian wheeler as our guest ian is the co-founder of talk house which is an artistic platform which gives artists the chance to talk to other artists it also does music and film coverage i am a big fan of it personally i think they do some really awesome stuff so i was really excited to get the chance to chat with ian a little bit about the philosophy behind talk house how they do what they do and their plans moving forward for the future, which includes some really cool stuff with podcasting and other such things. Uh, Ian is also the founder of Partisan Records, which is really cool as well. And he talks a little bit about his love for music and managing artists, uh, both on all sides of the spectrum at Talkhouse and Partisan. So I think it's really exciting to just chat with someone who's got their finger on the pulse of a couple different industries in the creative world. Uh, and we also talk a lot of philosophy in the second half of the show about how we keep it creative, the impact of COVID on creatives and artists and touring and all sorts of things like that. Um, and just how a lot of times there's not the infrastructure there in America that we need to sustain our artists. And a lot of times too, we set expectations on ourselves as artists that are very unrealistic. I know I've done it. So I'm pretty sure if you're an artist out there, you may have done it as well, where you think because some crazy thing is happening in the world, uh, there's a moment to make art and you have to be productive. And a lot of times just getting through and surviving is a lot more important than you know our society and culture is willing to give credit for. Ian wrote a really awesome piece in the New York Times op-ed about this uh, back during the start of the COVID outbreak in 2020. And we chat a little bit about that as well. Um, before we dive into the show, quick plug for all the other episodes. They're on Apple Podcasts convincingcreatives.com you can listen to them there i also have a new movie out if you want to see it it's called panda barrett it's over on tubi and you can check it out there for free yeah free 99 and i really appreciate it if you do get the chance to watch it just let me know send me a tweet let me know what you thought we'd love to uh, chat with you about it um, enough plugging without any further ado let's jump right over to the interview with ian wheeler So a lot of stuff I'd love to chat with you about, but before we get into it all, I just want to give you a chance to introduce yourself uh, for folks who may not know what you're doing. Um, you're the founder of Talk House. You've done a lot of stuff with different record labels in the music industry. You founded your own as well. Uh, how did your creative journey get started? Um, man, I mean, I, I I had a career before this, which which was in sailing. Uh, yeah. I taught sailing and, and did all kinds of stuff on boats. Um, and yeah, I, I moved to New York on a whim um, because I wanted to work in entertainment um, and knew that was one of the places where you kind of had to go and, and pay your dues. So I got a job teaching sailing on the Hudson River, um, basically right out of Manhattan. And and yeah, and then I started interning at Rough Trade, which was a record label then and, and not a store in the U.S., um, had a couple other jobs and, and eventually started partisan records out of, out of my bedroom. Um, and pretty quickly was able to do that full time. Awesome. Um, and I've noticed, uh, as well that you're a proud Carolinian. I know you're hailing from South Carolina. Is that correct? I'm actually originally from North Carolina, but, uh, hey, there we go. <laughs> I went to college in, in Charleston, South Carolina, and it's now kind of my adopted home for sure. Um, we, we split our time now between there and between Charleston and New York. Awesome. Well, I'm glad to hear you're a fellow North Carolinian. I'm in Raleigh, so yeah, that's always we got, awesome. we got work to do. Yeah, I was going to say, I love building up uh, arts out here in the Carolinas. Yeah. 
Um, so zooming back in, let's start with TalkHouse. So let's talk about how you founded it and kind of the goal behind it, because it's a website I really enjoy and I think it's doing a lot of good stuff. Uh, what was the need that you saw wasn't really quite being met before you got started with it that kind of led you to go for it? Yeah, I mean, at the time, so a couple things had happened. For one, um, all the alternative weekly newspapers had, had started cutting their art sections. Yeah. Um, you know, and I wrote for some of those papers when I was in college and just after college, um, you know, and, and there's such a, a piece of like a healthy creative community locally. Um, that's how people find out about local theater and, and what's happening in local music. Um, and so those had started to go and they were kind of, they started to be replaced with music blogs. Um, but it didn't really feel like, you know, music blogs were a product of, of like the LimeWire generation, the Napster generation, which, you know, I was a part of um, somewhat regrettably um, and, and, you know, still kind of carry some guilt for that. But yeah, it was like, we had all the music at our fingertips for free, um, you know, and you could spend a day listening to the entire Neil Young catalog and be like, oh yeah, you know, I, I've, I've been through all that. I've listened through everything. Um, when the reality is like that, that catalog deserves more than just a day of, of listening. Um, so, you know, music criticism and, and just arts criticism had kind of, uh, moved, evolved into this like armchair role. Um, and so the idea was like, just tear everything apart. Let's have artists write about each other's work. Um, let's have artists write personal essays about, you know, what it's like to try and make a career, um, doing something, you know, creative and, and in some ways kind of creatively extreme. Yeah. You know, I do think there's a difference between like a creative at an ad agency and, and someone who's making paintings for a living or, or writing songs and, and trying to get by or poetry. Um, so there was sort of that distinction as well. Um, and yeah, the, the site kind of came out of that. And at the beginning, it really was having artists write record reviews, um, write about each other's work every day. We did one a day and then we did like personal essays on the weekends. Um, and we expanded into film cause we felt like, you know, the, the same issues existed in, in that, um, yeah. you know, in, in that field, uh, especially for independent filmmakers, like just getting started, it, it's just really difficult. There are a lot of, you know, barriers to entry, uh, a lot of gatekeepers you have to get through. Um, yeah, as, yeah, as you all know. And, and so, um, yeah, that was sort of the initial mission of the talk house. And in, in recent years, it's transformed more into a, a podcast company. We saw the editorial website. We still run that content every day. Um, you know, that charge is, is the same. It hasn't changed. Um, but where the growth has happened is, is on the podcast side. Yeah. No, I think there's definitely something to be said uh, just across the board for artists talking to artists. I mean, literally, that's like part of why I do this podcast is like it sure. helps me as a filmmaker just keep my brain, you know, inspired and creative. And like, especially now in COVID times, you know, it's harder to get together. It's harder to do things where you feel like, um, you know, you're, you're meeting and exchanging ideas. And I feel like it's a great way to make that happen um, in, a, in a somewhat organic way, because I find that like, even if I'm talking to an artist, uh, you know, who's not a filmmaker, who maybe is a painter or a musician, there's always like some Venn diagram that's overlapping. Of course. So, yeah. Yeah. I think it's really needed. Um, and then on the other flip side of the coin, let's talk about partisan records. Like how are you uh, informing that side of your brain with the music and the musicality and the passion behind it? 
Um, I mean, look, I, I think after, you know, the label's been around for, um, I mean, it's, it's coming up on 15 years. Uh, Congrats. That's great. Thanks. Um, so look, I mean, just a ton of lessons learned and, and, you know, a, a lot of lessons learned the hard way, frankly. Right. Um, you know, we started out, my, my partner and I very idealistically, and, and we've had to come off that ledge to some extent. Um, but I, I think, you know, the, the basic core mission that we started with is still intact. Um, and, and look, that's the hope. I mean, it really is like a, a label, especially is, is absolutely the, the intersection of art and commerce. Yeah. Um, and in many ways, you're just a bank for the artists. And so, you know, they want more money to come out, you know, and, and you're kind of like, well, I don't know that you can pay that back. And, and there's kind of this dance that has to happen. Yeah. Um, and, and the same thing exists in the film world. Like I, I'm starting to do more in the film world now myself and, and learning the same lesson um, where, you know, there, there are a few channels to, to make that money back up. Um, but, you know, without those, you kind of, someone's out a lot of money. Um, yeah. It's, it's a weird blend of, like you said, the art and the commerce and everything like that, especially like I can only speak with film, but I, you know, I've done music videos where I've seen a little bit of the, the world of labels and things like that. And I mean, it, it is such a, a dance that you have yeah. to do because it is a business, but at the same time, you know, the goal is to support artists and what they're doing. And so, you know, there's so much overlap that you have to consider. And, you know, I, I absolutely agree. It's, it's, it's hard to manage. Like, do you ever find yourself saying like, I wish I could do this, but because of logistical X, Y, and Z, we can't quite reach artistic A, B, and C. All the time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it constantly it, it's yeah. throughout my career. There, there's been that uh, issue. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's sort of, you know, if, if you've ever like bought or, or refinanced a house, um, maybe refinancing is the best example where you want to take some cash out and, and you know, do some renovating, some improvements, um, but at a certain point, the bank's going to be like, no, you shouldn't take out that much. That's too much. Right. right. Their underwriters are going to stop you in, in your tracks. Um, you know, so, I mean, the same kind of thing exists at a label where, you know, an artist really wants to make an, a super ambitious music video. And it's like, well, I don't know how quickly we can make that money back, uh, off album sales, which, you know, now have, album sales used to be a very different thing in a different term it used to mean actually selling physical cds and vinyl and things like that yeah. and now it's kind of a weird blend of streaming numbers and some physical um so that gets a little bit tricky also sync licensing is has changed a lot over the last 10 years i'd say um and so it's you know it's tough like there, there i feel like fewer places now um frankly, for labels to make money, like finding the way to like balance that. Absolutely. Like, I think too, like, again, I only know the film side of things, but it probably is somewhat similar to like when you've got producers coming in to make a movie happen and, you know, you can do this much from this producer and this much from that producer. But if you suddenly, you know, rewrite your script and you have a new scene where you have to do, you know, a hundred extras and, you know, some crazy big thing, suddenly the producers are like, there is no budget for that. You know, you right. have to scale, either scale that down or I'm going to have to walk away. So, you know, you kind of have to always, you know, like you said, do that tightrope walk. Um, so I know for me, kind of like a slight shift gear, like I find the hardest part as an artist and a filmmaker is a lot of times just getting the work out there. And I'm sure it's the same for musicians and anything else. Like 
you know, I think what's great about the world we live in now is the micro budget films and, you know, people making albums in their bedroom, you know, there is technology there for you to do it and you can make really cool stuff. But a lot of times the coolest stuff in the world could have, you know, 50 views on YouTube and it was uploaded right. three years ago and none of us know about it. And so like, that's what I always wonder about is like how much stuff do we not know about? And, and that's what I think is cool about what you're doing with talk house is you're kind of finding these different avenues to support folks and find these projects and get other people to talk to one another. Cause again, I think it's that conversation, which again has been so impacted by COVID where you find out about things. Cause I've learned so many, you know, albums I want to listen to through friends who are like, this is right. the craziest thing I've heard, but I don't think Spotify, would have told me to go to it you know that's what's right yeah yeah i mean it, it's different if it's coming from you know for recommendations coming from a friend or a peer or you know even more so someone you really respect right uh, like on a creative level or intellectual level um versus like an algorithm just handing you something and you know the algorithm as we know, is, is often wrong. Like I get served stuff all the time where I'm like, I hate this band. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, uh, yeah. Where I think like, Oh man, they're, they're crushing it. Like, they, you know, Spotify just played Bill Callahan and then Damien Gerardo. And then there's something that lands in my lap and I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, like, you know, I, I'm sure they'll continue to hone those algorithms and they'll get better. Um, but I still think at the end of the day, you know, a friend or, or someone you really look up to telling you about a, a record or a film or a TV show, it, it's, it's always the thing that's most effective, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. I really connected too with your piece that you wrote for the New York times last year about uh, creativity cool. during COVID. And, you know, I think, obviously COVID has made so many things that were already problems, just, just bigger problems. But I think that was a great piece that you wrote because it just, there's so much expectation on artists to create and talk to the moment and do that. And obviously like that is thousand percent part of being an artist, uh, no matter what your medium is. But I do find a lot of times when there is a, you know, trying situation, whether it's political or whether it's a health event, people are suddenly saying, Oh, but there's going to be great art coming out. Just give it time. Just, you know, let it happen. But the, the support is not there. The infrastructure is not there economically, uh, you know, just so many things. And, you know, I'd love to have you talk to that just because I think you uh, eloquated that really well. So, yeah, I mean, it's funny with that piece, like some of the people that reached out when I published it, like some friends, one friend in particular was, was Jen Wasner um, of, of Y Oak and Flock of Dimes and Bon Iver and a million other things. Um, but she reached out and she's like, thank you for, for writing this. And I think like the part where I was like, you shouldn't feel all this pressure to make great things. Um, and then she went on to make like, I don't know, four of the best, most amazing things I think have, have been made in the last decade, um, you know, during the pandemic. So uh, who knows, but, yeah. um, yeah, I, 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 maybe I wasn't proven wrong, but, um, yeah, like the, there is this innate pressure on artists to, to make great stuff in hard times or, you know, when Trump was elected, it was like, Oh, there's going to be so much great punk music and, and, you know, rebellious right. art. Um, and that's like the last thing I think about really, um, you know, yeah. when, when these kinds of things happen, I think especially now where it feels like we're with the climate, with any number of things kind of headed towards, um, you know, a future that's a lot darker than maybe what we knew previously. 
No, I think you're right. The The initial problem is just the fact that America just has such a troubling relationship with the arts in so many ways, but it's just, there's not a lot of support for it. And I find like the, the weirdest thing happens sometimes, like when I make a film for, you know, nothing and, you know, and put more of my money into it than I ever see coming back, people will be like, wow, that's so cool that you did that. It's inspiring. And like, I, I appreciate that. But at the same time, it's like, but I, but I really would love to pay a bill. Like yeah. I would really, you know, and, and it's like, it's a sign of a system. You, you just cause you can like work in it doesn't always mean it's working. Like that's what I find is, is a kind of a weird catch 22. And like, you know, the, the hustle culture, like, and, or just la just general capitalism, like eroding at the creativity of America. Like how do, how do you see that playing out long-term? Because I feel like at a certain point, there's just no balance. And, you know, I've dealt with bad burnout and I've talked to, you know, many of my fellow artists, even on the show, and they've talked about it too. And, you know, I just feel like at a certain point it's, it's maybe not sustainable. So like, where do you, where do you see that conversation going? And like, do you feel like there's anything that's being done to remedy it or? I mean, I think in this country, it, it's always going to parallel capitalism, um, yeah. you know? And so, uh, the hustlers are, are going to find a hustle, um, you know, probably quite a few smart artists. I mean, they're already jumping on this NFT thing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of nobodies will become somebody's through, through that. Um, so, you know, it's kind of a, a, a bit of a darker answer, which is yeah, like, no, no. Know, I mean... we, we live in a capitalist society and, and also a very like uh, low attention span, um, you know, one thing to the next kind of society. I mean, I, I really tell artists just focus on your audience, yeah. um, you know, focus on, on building that audience, keeping that audience, having them there. Um, because that's the one thing that's, that's actually sustainable and predictable and, and, you know, that you can over time rely on, yeah. um, you know, I think the artists who, who aren't focused on that and they're just focused on, you know, big numbers and, and yeah. one thing to the next, um, that's a risky strategy. Um, it is. Yeah. You know? Well, it's and, like you said, the algorithms will just, you know, they may choose you on a Wednesday and by Thursday, you're old news. And then, they, exactly. you know, it doesn't fit anymore. And so, you know, they just move on to the next thing. And, you know, I'm, I'm really inspired right now by just, like you said, the audience building. And I think for, you know, all artists, but especially in film, like, I feel like there's been so much just, oh, it's put on the festivals or it's put on the websites or it's put on the, um, you know, the tastemakers and studios. And then I don't ever have to think about it. But I think now a lot of, uh, you know, this up and coming generation of filmmakers, they're saying, oh, I, I want to show the behind the scenes process. I want to connect with my fans. And it's kind of different because like, you know, I used to play drums. So like when you are in a band, you, you go to the show and you can meet people and you can kind of do that at a film festival, but not exactly. It's kind of different because right. it's just, it's, you know, and especially if someone's watching your movie 10 states away and they're streaming it, like you'll probably never meet them. Um, but like, how do you stay connected? And I find a lot of times it's just sharing process and, you know, artists interviewing artists. And like, I did a whole thing with my new movie, Panda Barrett, where I talked to the cast and crew in a podcast format. Sure. And, like, and we just dropped that on YouTube and then people were like, oh, that's cool. It's behind the scenes. And so, you know, people kind of slowly connected with the people who made the film happen as opposed to just like, oh, here's the movie, watch it and just kind of move on. So you right. know, I find there's there's so many strategies to do it. Do you do you have advice to anyone out there, whether it's, you know, music, film, painting, like how do, what's the best way to like uh, generate your audience and kind of bring them with you from one project to the next? 
I mean, I think look, like generating great art is is the number one. Sure. Thing, yeah. You know, and and making things. I I don't necessarily know about making things with the audience in mind. I mean, I, I tell artists like, you know, they should be in mind, but you know, maybe ten to twenty five percent. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's just important that that it's great, that whatever right. you're making is great. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think a lot, like in the film world, I mean, Mike White is one where like, you know, I think he's kept that core audience and now he has like a breakout with the White Lotus and, yeah. and you know, you get all this new audience and they're going back to his old stuff. Um, you know, and I, I don't necessarily, he, he's obviously refined some of his approach um but yeah i think it's been there all along um you know he just keeps honing the craft his his way of storytelling um you know his different kind of little fascinations in, in these different communities and um and it comes out yeah no i think it's it's fascinating going into the next like you know a couple years maybe five ten years of of really any kind of art because i think we're going to start seeing artists come through and you're already seeing it uh, with indie artists and music, but you know, you'll go to their Spotify because a song blows up and you see they've, they've released five albums and you're like, what, right. this isn't their first song at all. This is, you know, something else. And so it's, it's interesting uh, seeing that kind of DIY mindset rumble in the algorithm at the same time, because, you know, I, I won't be surprised, you know, if there's a movie or something that breaks out and, and that's the first I'm hearing of it, but maybe this person made 10 movies over the last 10 oh, years. I mean, I feel like it's been, you know, it's yeah. funny that Barry Jenkins was writing for the talk right. and, and mm -hmm. podcasting for us for so long and no one really knew. I mean, obviously in the indie film world, people knew who he was and, and really respected him, but you know, then he had just a string of like amazing films. He won Best Picture and Best Director, and and uh, and then everyone knew who he was. Right. You know, and and that's happened a number of times at Talk House where we have these, especially filmmakers, also musicians, but um, you know, they're writing and podcasting, and and we're paying you know for the content. Um, and so I also think it's something like in between projects or, or just sort of if you have some free time on the tour bus or. or yeah whatever someone can can pretty easily do but yeah all of a sudden they have something that just explodes it breaks out yeah. um you know and, and they're at that next level and I, I think that's part of the game it's just like you know putting your head down doing the work um you know and and having some faith as, as sometimes shitty as it sounds that that, that moment's going to come yeah. as long as you're making consistent you know great work it's going to happen yeah. Well, and, and I think what you said about Barry Jenkins is super interesting because, you know, at the end of the day, so many people and I can just remember when I was young in film school, I didn't know anything. And I would just watch, you know, people whose work I admired. I'd watch their interviews. I'd watch how they, you know, talked about their stuff, did what they did. And, you know, a lot of times the ones I really connected to are the ones who kind of like pulled the curtain back and said, this is how you do it. This is how you make a film with a thousand dollars and pizza money. And, you know, that's right. it. And like that was always super fascinating to me. And so I always think that if there is artists out there who are able to do that and I've, you know, I've tried where I can uh, just to like leave the door, you know, open behind them. And, you know, right. it's, it's, it's not always easy, but, you know, because you have to be intentional about it. But, you know, I find that's always... I think conducive to better work because you're you're helping the ecosystem as a whole instead of just one thing so yeah i mean it's funny and i think a lot of great artists like we're we're working with bjork right now on a couple of things for for talk house and you know she 
she took this approach in her career of, you know, working in these communities, building these communities, and then kind of going away and, and doing things by herself and kind of going back and forth between, between introvert and extrovert. Um, you know, and I, I found that really interesting and, and kind of thought of so many artists I love that have done something similar where, you know, they do kind of find these pockets throughout their life of, of people um, that they make amazing things with. And then, you know, they move on to the next phase, they reinvent. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think too, like great artists, you know, can can find that balance between introversy and, and extroversy. Um, you know, and, and kind of use those moments to create great things. No, totally. And, and I think so much of being an artist is a lot of artists actually, that, now that you mention it, really do walk that introvert extrovert line. Like, you know, I think myself, I'm more of an introvert, but at the end of the day, there's extroverted qualities to making art because it's like, well, you know, you want, how do you make a film it. for a thousand bucks? Yeah. You, <laughs> you gotta be a little extroverted here. And yeah. There. So you it's like a, a weird, yeah. 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 It's like, it's a weird balance. And like, you know, I find that at the end of the day, uh, you, you, you find a way to walk it that makes it feel right. And, you know, I know that like, I have to be myself, like, do you feel like the, just like democratization of, uh, like how we're consuming things like, you know, Spotify, Netflix, do you feel like that's impacting, you know, not like just our attention span, but like the value we're placing on art, because like, you know, in the past, you'd go buy a record and you'd open it up and you'd look at the liner notes and you'd right. just have a little more of a connection where, you know, now I, I will have things in my Spotify that I added, but I still need to get around to listening to. And it's just kind of like almost too much. It's like when I go to a buffet, I do eat food, but I don't really remember what I ate a lot of times. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it is like, you know, I think in the music world, we still have independent record stores. Yeah. Um, you know, and so it's not all the way there yet to, to digital. There are still places in, in most cities where you can go and, you know, look at the physical thing and hold it and, and, you know, have that community experience as well. Talk to a guy behind the counter, ask him what's good, um, listen to stuff in the store. You know, in the film world, I, I think that kind of died with, with like Blockbuster, which is yeah. really unfortunate. I love, I used to go to Blockbuster, you know. Me too. <laughs> Um, yeah, and it was awesome. Um, so yeah, I don't know. And as far as the platforms go, you know, look, I'm glad there are as many of them as there are right now. Um, I think that's really healthy. I mean, I worry about, you know, consolidation. Um, you know, I worry about fewer platforms. I, I think in the film world, there are quite a few more, um, than in the music world. Um, yeah, in the music world, it makes me nervous. It's kind of, there's really two at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there are a number of others like Amazon, places like that, that, that are, you know, trying to keep in the game. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's sort of, there's not a lot of competition there. Um, and so, you know, the result is you get a lot of, again, it comes down to like playlists and, and the editorial coverage is pretty narrow. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, when I look at the film world, I'm kind of like, there's so many amazing, you know, things out there like Criterion as their own channel. And, and yeah, I mean, there are just so many places where you can go and find great stuff. I think the problem in that world is more of like a discovery thing, yeah. um, which is like, there's so much stuff and, and there's just not a good, there's not like one good source for independent films that are coming out this weekend or, um, 
you know, things like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I remember too, like when we distributed our, our new movie Panda Barrett on Tubi, I never actually had the app and I downloaded it just to like make sure it went through to the platform. And sure. I was like scrolling through and I found it and I was like, cool. And while I was on there, I was like, let me just see what else is here. And I found all these really interesting sounding movies that literally I'd never heard of a day in my right. life. And now they're just, you know, 40 movies in my queue. And like, you know, right. I've tried to watch a couple of them where I can, but again, I don't know that I'll get to all of them if I'm being honest. And it's just, sure. it's overwhelming. And so, you know, I find that curation, you know, it helps. It's, it's important to have platforms that feel accessible and free to put your stuff on. But um, sometimes, you know, it does feel like you're going through the, you know, the all you can eat buffet. And so, right. Yeah. So in terms of just like actually creating work from anywhere, we talked about the democratization of, you know, film and music. Do you feel like the, the internet obviously has become this bridge for better or worse during the pandemic, but I, I kind of think it's going to be here to stay in some hybrid form, like we mentioned afterwards too. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you see still merit to folks coming to New York or LA or anything like that? Or do you feel like there's a possible world where people can just like, you know, go to a cabin somewhere with good Wi-Fi and just like go for it? Well, I mean, I definitely think there's still merit. Um, you know, I think it just depends kind of, you know, what what you're looking for. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I would tell anyone at this moment, like, you know, maybe move to New York or LA for a couple of years and yeah. make those connections, form those relationships, um, you know, and, and then go somewhere else where there's still a creative community, but yeah. you know, it, you're obviously not going to have all the CAAs or William Morris's or, or, you know, things like that, that are, that, that really kind of help you accelerate a career, uh, in, in anything creative. Yeah. Well, in terms of, uh, like talk house going forward, where would you see the kind of creative direction of it moving as we progress? And you've talked a bit about like getting more into podcasts and, you know, yeah, support. I mean, podcasts are, are, are such a huge part of what we're doing now. And, you know, I got really into podcasts for two reasons. One, a business reason, which is, you know, Apple and Spotify spending so much money, dedicating so much, you know, to, to podcasts. Um, and given that I've been putting out, you know, digital music files for the last 15 years, it was like, oh, they're these places where our stuff lives. They're really focused on this other form. Um, you know, and we had talk house podcasts going, it was kind of becoming a thing. And it was like, well, we should just do more of this because it seems like a place where, where things are headed anyway. Um, now I feel like there is such a healthy ecosystem in the podcast space, despite all the corporatization, despite like, you know, the, the $70 million from Amazon to, to Will Arnett and Jason Bateman or whatever, uh, we have our hands in like a few different you know, pieces of the business were pretty well diversified in the podcast space. And, you know, starting, I mean, this year, we've just been working on like really crazy, ambitious things that are going to come out next year. Um, and so, yeah, you know, next year we'll kind of, we'll see, like, yeah. you know, we have these crazy, huge, ambitious things with amazing creators coming out and, and, you know, we'll test the ecosystem and see, um, see what happens I and mean, that's sort of but yeah i mean uh, the companies i look up to you know right now are the ones i mean a24 is one where they're sort of like yeah, yeah i mean they're just they're they're crushing they're it on to take a lot of pretty, fronts yeah yeah they're diversified and they're willing to take really big swings um 
you know, and I, I like that a lot. Yeah, not not to veer on too far of a tangent, but I think what A24 does really well is they found this weird but amazing middle ground between like blockbuster and art house. I've become obsessed with like Bravo and yeah. not like the shows or anything like that, but the business model, which is like, you know, Tuesday, I don't even know if that's the right day of the week, but Tuesday is like Real Housewives night and yeah. they have a pre-show and then they have two episodes and then there's like a after show with two of the stars and Andy Cohen and there's like hashtags. They're always trending in the top five and their podcasts and support those. So the next you know, Wednesday morning, you download the podcast and listen to those. And so it's, a, it's an ecosystem. It's an entire, if you're into that hour long program, there's like 10 hours of other shit that, that yeah. you can dive into and explore. You know, if you can get people into your stuff, then you can serve them a lot of other things that, that they might be interested in. Yeah, no, a thousand percent. And I think uh, it's, it's always finding the weirdest places where the Venn diagrams of interest intersect that we're going to yeah. see new things happen. Like I think all the time, uh, you know, I love film, but I'm also like a huge video gamer. And I always think, you know, the it would be cool. done a great job with, yeah, with talking yeah. about. They really have and like, you know, Twitch and things like that on YouTube, there's such a gaming culture. And I always wonder, I'm like, well, you know, it would be amazing to talk to other, you know, filmmakers about like what their favorite game is. And if there is a game that inspired them to make a film and then you could, you know, partner with like, I don't know, Nintendo and they release a new Metroid game. And then you, you talk about, you know, the fantasy elements of that game inspiring whatever movie is about to drop from a director at A24. And like, you've, you've already like melted the pot in this weird and wacky way. And like, you know, again, I think that's, you know, it's just spitballing, but it's like, at the end of the day, I think that is stuff that people will find the, the crossover. Cause you know, I think just doing one thing with blinders kind of has, you know, diminishing returns over time. So. Yeah. And it, it's a lot of it's about the community experience as well. Yeah. Like, yeah, like the whole Twitch YouTube video game thing kind of blew my mind where I was like, wait, you guys are just watching your <laughs> watching this other person play a video game. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's what I used to do. So on the couch, my yeah. buddy was playing like, you know, Goldeneye or whatever. And I'm just yeah. you know, and listen to him give commentary. And it's like, okay, well, I guess we did that when we were kids too. Um, and this is just like the next iteration of it. But it was really about the community. I mean, I care less about watching my friend play a video game. Yeah. Um, but, you know, them doing commentary and talking and saying funny things, you know, that was sort of the hook. Yeah. Um, but yeah. it was about community, you know, sort of oh, that's yeah. what we did when we hung out. Yeah, I've, I've yeah. seen these YouTubers like play different I, i'm not up on like the multiplayer games as much as i am the single player ones but like i don't know like some Fortnite gaming or something right. and they'll play Fortnite, and they'll just be talking about like life and philosophy sure. and things that don't even have anything to do with Fortnite. but they're just you know happening to be playing Fortnite. and, I, and i'm yeah, like they figured out how to scale that you yeah know? and i'm like that's wild like it's it's so interesting um so i guess to kind of like land the plane like what advice would you give folks uh you know, to stay creative, whether they need convincing or, you know, they're trying to convince others to believe in their project, um, just to keep things moving forward. Focus on the community and building that as opposed to like, I think it's easy to think about, you know, doing something that, for lack of a better word, becomes viral, right. um, you know, but rather like, you know, how do I impact community of people over a longer period of time, um, you know, how do I kind of 
tap on something that that other people are thinking about but haven't expressed in, in you know a concise way yet yeah um you know and how do i just kind of string people along like bring them along with me over over a period of time as opposed to just getting their attention for for a short amount of time um as far as like keeping creative it's funny like the guy with the best tip which is it's a funny one I mean, it's not a funny tip. It's just funny. It's him. But Jimmy Buffett is like, you know, he's written these books and like the, the, the autobiography is one autobiographical book. That's amazing. Um, because his life was, was, has been crazy, but he also has just these books that, that you know, they're like beach pulp fiction kind of like, yeah, you know, whatever books, but they're all like New York Times bestsellers. Like every time he puts out a book, it's like number one on the New York Times bestseller list. But he's like, yeah, I just write for 30 minutes a day. Like sit down every yeah. morning, you write for 30 minutes. Like no question happens every single morning. Um, and so you're like, wow, that's, you know, that's over. That's like three and a half hours a week. And, you know, this amount of month, like it adds up. And, yeah. and that's how he does it. You're like, Oh, that's how this guy's published like all these fucking books, um, you know, and written like Broadway musicals and all these other things is just 30 minutes a day. I love um, that. But yeah, and it, which yeah. is like, you know, pe people say like, if you do ab workouts 30 minutes a day, like you'd be, you'd be ripped and <laughs> yeah. none of us ever do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think if you dedicate, you know, a set reasonable amount of time that you can fit into your schedule. I think it's tough too. when people are like, I'm going to work on this all day. Right. That never works for me. Um, me you neither. Know, I end yeah. up I'm like, Oh, the grass is long. I'm going to go cut the grass or any number of other things that I find, you know, I'm going to clean the entire kitchen right now. Right. Um, and, and afterwards I'm going to be full of, you know, everything I need to complete this, this work. Um, but I find if you actually like really set like from nine to 11, I'm going to sit down, just do it. Um, you know, that, that's a lot more reasonable with yourself than, than kind of devoting a larger space of time. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what it is. I think people that actually say like nine 30 to 10, I'm just going to sit down and write, you know, no matter what, just have to be writing that entire period of time. I, I think they end up being more productive than, than those of us that, you know, dedicate a day to, to something like that and actually, you know, don't really end up getting as much done. Yeah. Well, I think there's almost a joke that like, you know, people want to go on these artistic retreats and they'll spend hours looking for the right Airbnb and the right conditions and the right this and the right yeah. that. And they spend more time doing that than if they just sat down. And right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, at the end of the day, I think, yeah, there's something to be said about that. And I think in 30 minutes too, it's so quick because, a lot of times what's hardest is those first five minutes where you're sitting down staring at the blank page and then you've got the critic in your head, you know, just doing the thing the critic in your head does where it's like, this is dumb, you're not talented, blah, blah, blah. And then you're just like, no, that's not what this is. We're here to just check this off a list, right? And then go cut the grass and like go do whatever we need to do. And it doesn't right. have to be, you know, anything more than that. And I think sometimes it's worse to wait for the artistic lightning bolt to hit you because a lot of times I find I just wait around in a field. <laughs> well, that's exactly right. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. it just doesn't come. And I mean, you know, with any artist at this point, I'm, I, I, I'm willing to look and, and see kind of what their output is and, and, you know, pat them on the back and cheer them on if, if it's consistent, yeah. um, you know, totally. if all these consistent, if the output's consistent, I, I, 
I think that's all we can ask. 100%. Um, well, Ian, that's very well said. Uh, thank you again for your time and joining us on the podcast. Uh, if there's a place where folks can like keep up with you, what's the best way to do that online? Uh, right now, talkhouse.com is, is um, where all the latest and greatest is. Awesome. Well, y'all heard it there. Go over to TalkHouse, check it out. And uh, thank you for listening. We're video episodes on YouTube and continue to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, we'll catch y'all in the next episode. Thanks again.